Welcome to The Heath Barnes Show, bringing you interviews and insights to grow your business from some of today's leading voices in the mortgage industry. The Heath Barnes Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Heath Barnes. I'm excited today to introduce Hunter Marquardt. Many of you in the industry have heard of Hunter out of Dansbury, California. Hunter's been in the business uh, more than 20 years. He's been a coach for more than 10. He's today's going to share with us some of the advice his father has given him that I really believe has made him an unbelievable leader. His team has been with him a really long time, and I think you're going to love it. So I hope you enjoy today's episode with Hunter Marquardt. Welcome back to another episode. My guest today is Mr. Hunter Marquardt out of Danville, California. He's a personal friend and originator, wonderful father. How you doing today, Hunter? I'm doing great. He's Friday, baby. Doing That's great. Right. Thanks for having me. Everyone, everyone can do a Friday. Everyone can do a Friday. So, you know, when I started thinking about having you on the show, I was thinking, man, the one thing Hunter can give any young loan officer or experienced loan officer is a piece of his wisdom when it comes to managing a team because you've got a large team and they've been with you a long time and that's one of the struggles most loan officers have in the business. But before we get into the teams, I want everyone to get get to know Hunter a little bit. So right out of the gate, you know, tell me, how did you get in the mortgage business? You probably, uh, like most of us, were born with that dream, right? Yes. Yes, very much. So by the way, he, I have to, hopefully it will go away very quickly here, but I've got folks outside my window blowing leaves and it's not really appropriate for me to tell them to stop. So if there's any background noise, I apologize. Yeah, um, no but how did I get in the mortgage business? So I, I'll try to do this really quick. So graduated from University of Arizona degree in finance, having absolutely nothing to do with this job today, but it was 96. So came out of school. There was a company called Nextel Communications. If anyone remembers okay. those, push to talk or oh, yeah. to listen cell phones. And I was, and I was door to door selling those, which, you know, I know you and I've got some funny stories on that that we could talk about later, but you know, selling phones door to door, Next step for me was, you know, software. I'm in Silicon Valley, so Danville's Bay Area. So Silicon Valley, like the thing to do at the time, maybe even still today, although I don't think people realize how horrible of a job it can be, but selling software. So got a job selling software, was in that field for four years. It was actually an unbelievable experience, but I also hated what I was doing. And at the age of 28, I was just driving home one day, you know, you know, the typical hour and a half commute. And, you know, I tell everybody that's heard the story, it's like I had a junior midlife crisis. If you ever saw the movie traffic, that was, that was me. Just, I just started banging my hand on the, on my steering wheel and just like, I couldn't take it anymore. I got home and I told my wife, I, I had to get out of the business. And, you know, oddly enough, my, my dad was on the wholesale side of the mortgage industry and I called him just, you know, someone that I go to for a ton of advice and told him I just couldn't do it anymore. And he was kind of, I think he was thinking like proud father of his son in the software field, you know, high mm-hmm. tech, blah, 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 in Silicon Valley. And, you know, I said, Hey, what do you think about the mortgage business? And his comment, which is very similar to yours was Hunter, the problem with our business is once you get into it, you can't get out of it. 
And, and so I said, screw it. I didn't know what I didn't know. Went to work for a small brokerage shop. And then I was there for a couple of years. And then I've been at the current company, RPM, for 15, 14 or 15 years. So the whole thing, I think I've been in the business for 17 years. So I would say wow. me getting into the mortgage business was an escape from getting out of another business. What did you hate so much about the uh, software business? A lot of people in the software business think it's great, but what were you yeah, having? So I, I was selling, I mean, the best way to explain it is I was selling, it was very complex mm-hmm. and I was selling a, I was selling software that solved a problem that nobody really knew they had yet. And the product didn't really work. And the people I was selling to, which were a bunch of engineers, thought that it would, you know, I was basically like a sales guy where they thought it'd be fun to like get the sales guy in the room, have him do a presentation to 15 engineers, and then basically make fun of what an idiot he is on what he doesn't know about engineering. (laughs) So you you do that all day. And Heath, I will tell you, I mean, one of the, one of the best stories uh, it's a, but I mean, I, I had to go three weeks into my job. I mean, this stuff, the stuff I was selling, it's called integration software. It had to do with canonical models and helping disparate applications communicate with one another, just to give you an idea of how much fun oh, it sounds like. I gotta so, look this up. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm selling so they've got me in and I've gotta go do a presentation three weeks into the job and I gotta go do a presentation to fifteen people at Enron in your in your town. Yeah. And they literally I sweated through a suit. I literally like you talk about having moons. <laughs> I had moons through my jacket. I've never been so nervous <laughs> in my life, but I absolutely pooped the bed. You know, one of the guys yeah. in the room called my CEO and said, that, whoever your sales guy is, he's terrible. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, that, that guy, <laughs> so, that's got to make you feel good. Yeah, <laughs> now I know why you were pounding the steering wheel. Right? Yeah, but I will, I will say this to everybody listening, especially new sales reps, that three weeks into that job, I ended up Three years later, closing the biggest deal the company had ever seen when HP and Compaq merged, our stuff helped integrate those companies. And at the time, I so I was the first sales rep that they hired. I thought I was going to get fired. I literally had to go do a presentation in front of my CEO. And my VP of sales said before the meeting, three months into the job. Now, I said, Hunter, just so you know, if you F this up, except he didn't say F, he said the real thing. He said, if you F this up, you're literally going home after this presentation. <laughs> and my CEO, so my CEO is in the room with me presenting to uh, a venture capital company and never been so nervous in my life. I did okay with it. But to end the story, I went through three CEOs, 35 salespeople, and four VPs of sales. And I was wow. still, and, and I left on my own terms. And by Maybe the way, I then, re, I then refinanced probably 15 people in that company when I got into software or when I got into the mortgage business. Yeah. Maybe there was so much turnover because of the way they didn't work employees, you know, (laughs) Hey, you you screw this up. You're out of here, buddy. (laughs) I want you to to think about that. Kim and I, my wife, literally, (laughs) we were on our way to a beach house for Labor Day weekend and I'm pulling into this driveway to this beach house with four other couples. And you know me well enough. Like, I get pretty decent anxiety anyway. <laughs> so I'm on the phone with, I'll, I'll leave his last name, Mike H. He's now in Texas. And he literally said, you're going to be doing the presentation. And if it doesn't work, we're, you're going to get fired. Just FYI. Like, we just got the call about, I mean, it was yeah. just, it was, 
It was unbelievable. So yeah, it reminds, think about, reminds me. Uh, think about good. that one for a Labor Day weekend. You know. Yeah, it, remind, <laughs> it, it reminds me of my uh, first summit. For those of you that don't know, I was with with the core training. Hunter's been a coach with the core training for about nine years. I was a coach about five years. And my first summit, every, every time you go to a summit as a new coach, you would do the finance class with Rick, and, and Rick would he, he would give you plenty of pre- preparation. Right? Remember that? He, great preparation. Actually, it's just, hey, you're going to be doing the class with me when I point at you. That's when you tell your story. Well, the the class is an hour and a half long. And like you, I'm like in my head the whole time wondering when is he going to call on me? And I'm, am I going to get the story right? And there's a hundred people out listening to class. And then he looks at me and, and I'm in my head thinking about what I'm saying. And he catches me off guard and he says, Heath, what was it like for you? And I said, it was tough, Rick. <laughs> then there's dead silence, dead silence. And then Rick looks at me and keeps talking in the next morning on Saturday. I don't know if you remember this, but he's like, he, two words. Are you kidding me? It's tough. I don't know if I, you know, I don't think you can stay here as a coach. And I never forget Josh Sigmund and Scott Foreman both said, raised their hand and said, no, no, he's going to be, he's going to be all right. So I know what it feels like to have just an enormous amount of anxiety and, 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 and totally bombed. But one thing you haven't bombed at, and that's doing loans. Another thing you hadn't bombed at is actually uh, building a team. I am super jealous of the fact that you have like eight super hot women that are not only attractive, but super nice, and they know the mortgage business, and they've been with you a long time. Tell me about Erica, because I have called her many times and tried to uh, bribe her to come to Houston, but she's not interested. So tell me about your team. So I have, I've just, I've got a great team. I mean, bottom line is I've got, you know, Erica, who you mentioned, she's gone from basically my, you know, I hired Erica, I think nine years ago. And at this point, she's literally, I consider her my business partner just because she's been such an asset. So, but I mean, in, from a core perspective, she, she's the team captain. So I would call her, you know, I'm the, you know, I, w- I would say the sales side, I wouldn't call myself a visionary, but you know what I mean? I'm more on the strategic side of, right. of how we're dealing with the team. She's, she's operations dealing with our people. She also does a great job talking to clients, but puts out all the fires. Her, her role is basically, you know, what we say is if you look at her job description, it's solving 90% of the problems before I see them. And then, and then I have Tina and Holly and Michelle who fall fit the bill of, and and we just hired Paula who will follow that same role, which is LP two loan partner two, as it relates to the core. I am making some tweaks right now where we're moving Holly to more of what we are calling a pre-approval specialist, just so mm-hmm. we can kind of differentiate the timelines that are spent on pre-approving loans and having the the rest of the folks doing, you know, so you have one person obviously doing kind of a loan app to pre-approval. We're in a space mm-hmm. where everything has to be really dialed in up front because a lot of it's jumbo and it's a really easy for those loans to get off track. So we're very, very diligent up front on the pre-approval stage. It's very different than just a pre-qual or a quick review. We are, I mean, it's like we're assuming someone's going into contract with no loan, no appraisal contingencies, and everything has to be dialed in. So the pre-approval specialist is super important. And then, and then the contract to close is going to be where Paula, Michelle, and Tina are in. And then I've got Bridget, who's my—I mean, calling her my ad, admin assistant—isn't doesn't give her the 
justice and, and love she deserves. She's, I mean, she helps my world go around. So she's in charge of my calendar. She's in charge of our gifting program. She's in charge of, you know, the content that we do in our team meetings. Anytime we have quarterly meetings, semi-annual meetings, annual meetings, she's basically responsible for not necessarily the content, but putting it together for everyone so that everyone's just always, you know, hitting on all cylinders. And then Hillary, who's actually my sister, she's been with us for about a year. She's in charge of business development. So that's been tough during COVID, obviously, especially in California, where everyone is just on total lockdown. But when the dust settles a little bit, she'll be more out in the field, you know, talking to new business partners and, and hopefully creating relationships there. So that's that's what it looks like. Nice. Well, you so Erica's been with you for nine years, and I know all the uh, other w- yep. beautiful women have been with you a long time. I'm just curious. I mean, what do you think? Why, why do you believe that uh, these loan partners have been with you so long on your team. What is it that you do or say, or what advice would you give someone that's maybe struggling like myself to keep people on team for a long period of time? I think you have to, I mean, it's a pretty complicated question, obviously, because there's, Mm -hmm. there's certain things I don't think you can fake, you know I mean? Like you can't fake caring about someone. And I think, you know, if we just went through an exercise on coaching and one of them was like, to understand your priorities, put a bullseye together, right? Like you literally think of a bullseye, you got the inner circle, you got an outer, you got, you know, and then four outer circles and you start going, where are my priorities? And for me, when I'm being, you know, and by the way, your priorities, what you want and what you are, are very different things a lot of the time. And the goal is, Mm -hmm. you know, are, are your words in alignment? I was literally running this morning thinking about it because Rick made a comment yesterday on Wednesday and he said, Something to think about for everybody listening to this is you're not heard as much as you are watched, right? Like, Mm. like people, like, and I think of like my own boys, right? Like I've got a 15 and 17 year old boy, boys, they're not overly interested in what I have to tell them, but I, but they're watching me, right? Mm. So my team members are, I mean, of course, if someone reports to you, they have to listen to you, but they're also watching you, right? Like, are your actions in alignment with your words? And, you know, so, so my point is like, one of the things, like when I think of what I was put on this earth to do, or at least something that brings me total joy, and it's not this altruistic sales pitch, like I legitimately enjoy helping people. And Mm -hmm. it's super important for me to help my team, right? And if you, if you just think about it, whether or not you're thinking about it altruistically, selfishly, whatever, if you help the people that are closest to you, like you think about it, if I invest in my team and my team has, they feel good about coming to work every day, they're treated not just fairly, but overly fair, right? Like if I err on the side of overgiving, I don't mean around compensation, but time. And, you know, I mean, we go through planning together. We go through, you know, something that we're working on each week together where we're going to, you know, like the wheel of life. We pick one topic every week and we're all focused on that we do book reports stuff that sounds like if you brought this up to me 10 years ago I'd be like are you freaking kidding me? it sounds dumb so we do book reports we do budgeting we help save money we help pay off debt we do charity work together mm-hmm. we do i mean like we're all in with one another and when you do that what do you think happens when those people are talking to your clients right or what uh, do you think happens when they're talking about your business when they're talking to your business partners they're not doing it out of necessity they're doing it out of 
like gratitude. They're doing it because they're proud to be on the team. And I think when you have people that are proud to be a part of something because of how you've treated them, then you're going to get a very different outcome, which includes longevity. It includes energy. It includes just their, their, their desire to be a positive representation of our team. And I think that's when you put everyone together, that's, that's why everyone's still here. I don't think anyone, you know, I, I would like to believe no one's going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you said that I really like is, you know, you, 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 you genuine, genuinely care for them. And so sometimes when you hire someone new, it's tough to know, you know, what's important to them and how can you, how can you hit the bullseye? How can you make them feel cared for? And sometimes I think we just forget, you know, by, sitting down and having a conversation and saying, Hey, I just want you to know that you're really important and I want to make sure I'm doing a good job. And what can I do to make you feel cared for? And people will tell you some people it's time. Some people it's words, some people, you know, it's a promotion, but everyone has a target. So that's, that's awesome. So for, yeah. if, if someone is on the call and they're a kind of a newer loan officer and they're struggling with, gosh, should I hire a team member or not? I, you know, I'm, I was coaching a guy yesterday and he's asking me the same question. He was doing three or four loans. I'm just curious your opinion, all the people you've coached in the nine years, when do you tell people to hire a team? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the general rule of thumb is, yeah, I, I think it helps people to have metrics around stuff because then you make like you, you, you make actual decisions as opposed to emotional decisions. And, and mm-hmm. the number is if you're closing five or six loans a month, you should probably start considering a team member, right? For every, mm-hmm. for every five or six loans a month, you should have a team member. So if you're closing 12 loans a month. You should probably have a couple people on your team. If you, if you want a business where you are out doing what you do well, and then there's other people doing stuff that they do well, that you, I mean, let's face it, right? We're salespeople. I am horrible at process. So for me to, right. for me to have people that then help me with that, it's key. So I, I do think, you know, so to answer your question, I would say if you're closing six loans a month, you probably need to consider hiring someone. Yes. If Got it. if you want a long-term, it, it, it all depends, right? I know a lot of people, even in my office, that are highly successful that don't have anybody and they close 10 loans a month, right? Like they're less salesy, they're less on the sales side and they're more on the execution side. To me, it's mm-hmm. the magic combo when you have execution with mm-hmm. some sales skills. But also just for me, I got to get out of my own way, right? If someone can solve, I learned this from my dad, right? If someone can do something 80% as well as I can, I need to delegate it, right? And my highest and best use, like when you're thinking about like, what are you, what a day looks like for a sale for us, a day for me where I'm happy is when I'm in my green time mode, right? If I'm out talking to business partners, if I'm out talking to clients, if I'm out get, talking to, to, you know, getting leads in the door, that's where I'm, that's where I'm great. If I got to look mm-hmm. through a bunch of files, I mean, I just assume off myself, you know, I mean, I hate it. Right. So I, I got to have people to do that for me. But I mean, in general, I would say, you know, uh, it, it, when you're doing six loans consistently and you want to grow, the key is I want to grow my business. Mm-hmm. If you're doing six and want to grow, you want to consider hiring one, one person, by the way, not, I mean, you don't need to have a, I think people just want to have a team because they don't, I don't, I don't actually, I don't know why. I mean, managing people is not necessarily or leading people is not necessarily easy 
and you need to have work for them to do. So, yeah, but you, you <clears throat> it's always easy to find them work to do, especially if you have uh, if you're if you're doing five or six deals a month. So that first person, what would they be doing? Would they be? I think I you mean, need. A, I think you need a technical person. I think you need, I mean, the way I hired at first is I went L, so LP2, if you just think about loan partner two, just as far as everyone having an understanding of, there are pieces of it, but it is someone that can handle, on my team anyway, it has always been someone that can handle pre-approval to close, right? So it's a technical, the first, because that's what you need, right? You don't necessarily, and then the second hire for me is administrative. Right. So you hire an LP2 right. and then you hire an LP1. So I right. hired someone that can help me get the loans through the system. So I just get the loans off my plate. I'm still on the front end. Salespeople are more like an LP1 where you're, you're talking, you're, you know, you're talking to clients, you're just getting basic information. Then I got to get it to someone else. Then the next step is you get, a, you get an LP1 in that can help you with your organization, right? They can help you with your calendar. They can help you with a gifting program. They can help you with thank you notes. They keep you on track, right? Like my whole team, Bridget knows, right? I mean, Bridget, who's my, my, my right-hand person from, from just making sure that I'm on track. I look at Bridget and I tell Bridget that she's my boss, right? Like Bridget is my boss. And if Bridget doesn't hold me accountable to make sure that my day happens, then Bridget's of no use to me, right? So she has the, I mean, she is in my ear. She is, if I'm not doing stuff and I give her permission, I mean, sometimes I give her, you know, I mean, we you know, play, I play tricks on myself all the time, right? If I tell Bridget, I'm going to make X amount of phone calls and I don't do it. And she's got a stack of money in her drawer and she takes it out. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> we seriously, we do stuff like that. You know I mean? Just so anyway, hope that helps. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I was, in fact, I was coaching a young loan officer yesterday, been in the business about six years and Talking about hiring a uh, team member, and he brought up a, a guy that had been working with him for about eight months, and when he was going to pay him 30 basis points, and the, this guy had only been in the business about eight months. And no. yeah, he, he, I'm thinking, oh, okay, he's not technical. It's been any easier to give him 30 basis points. For those who listen, basis, basis points stay in your pocket. So I, I like that point of having a great technical person. That should be uh, for sure the the best first hire. And speaking of of money, is there a range? I know all around the country, people are always asking about, you know, what should I pay? Do you have any suggestions on pay or range on pay? I know it's going to be based on how long they've been in the business and how much tech, what kind of business you're doing. But so hard, Heath. I mean, I'll give yeah. you like some, you know, like the Bay Area for me, like everyone on my team right now is, is we're in the middle of COVID, obviously, but most most of the people on my team are remote, which I hate, by the way. They all know I hate it, but I also can't expect people to live in the Bay Area because it's too blasted expensive. But I would say, here's what I would tell everybody, including myself and including you, which is people need to prove themselves for six months before, like I I pay, I think very well, you know, but I mean, like if you look at Bridget, you know, I mean, her, her income, her income has, mm, I want to say it's gone up one and a half to two X since she joined me. The people on my, I mean, our, our, all of our roles, I would say, are between, you know, seven on the technical side, they're between 70 and 100 ish. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric is at a different level now because she's more of my partner than anything else. So that's a different level. And she's kind of one in a thousand, I would say. So, mm-hmm. but I would also say for everybody, they need to come on board. Like when you're talking about your 30 basis points, right? Mm-hmm. People come on board with some package that they ha- they don't deserve, and you don't know if it's the right fit. So I just brought on this other person, 
And I gave her, she has a relatively low comp. Like it's not a comp that I would expect to keep her at. And I told her flat out, we're going to re-review your comp at the end of six months with the idea that we will adjust it if everything's working out like we want it to. But out of the Mm -hmm. gates, you set false expectations up front, like this person with 30 basis points that you're talking about. I mean, if someone made, you know, I mean, someone on my team making 30 basis points would make 800 grand. You know, I mean, it's like you don't, you, you have you to have be careful opening? on but I know, but you have to be careful <laughs> on where you take these things, right? I mean, you make a decision out on day one right. and it's that you can't go backwards on comps. So you really have to think through it up front and not be emotional about it and get right. it right. And I've been on, I've been on, I've been on both sides of that argument, you know? Yeah, I think also I learned this a long time ago. If some if if it takes money for someone to come to work for you, I mean obviously you want to pay someone, but you want to pay someone a, a fair amount for your market. But it, if they're going to come to work for you because they're paying you more money, they're going to leave you because someone else is paying else, them totally. more money. So it, and money is rarely the reason why someone's coming to work for you. So um, and then the other yeah. thing I would say too, from a leadership perspective, is no one on my team has ever had to ask for a raise. So That's because think, you're generous. Be, yes. Right. Like, I just, I mean, I just, I, yeah. And it, maybe it's not scalable if you're running 2000 people, but I mean, I just, I, I, I think if you treat people well, you're going to get yeah. more out of it than, than making an extra whatever by just yeah. being, I don't know. Frugal. Right. I, yeah. I, I remember early in my career hiring people and forgetting to the, the fact that, People want a roadmap. They want to know where they're going. They want to know what the future looks like. And so talking about that up front is super important. And as far as and also yeah. reviews, having a 30, 60, I have a 30, 60, 90 day review and then a six month review just because, you know, when you're starting off with a new team member, you know, there's a lot of things that are going through their head and it's just really good to check in with them. Uh, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you, you have to have, you have to have the word I love kind of a new word for me anyway. And it was brought about because Erica yelled at me because Erica actually called Kim and said about nine months ago, she said, Hunter, you need to work with your husband. I mean, they're obviously like, they, they basically conspire against me. They're like, I call them one, one's a work wife, one's my wife, wife, but empathy. You know, Erica called mm. Kim and she said, Hunter, it's in the middle of us trying to close, you know, 55, 60 loans a month with a t- time team of four, you know, we just were dying. Right. And, and one of my team members is literally like crying and, 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 I, and I thought about it and it was like, I care about my people, but having empathy is different than caring. Having empathy is reversing the lens and looking at like one of my members who would never complain about anything, but Tina, she's a single mom. Right. She's so she's got to do all of her work. And then she also has to go home and she has to make dinner for her daughter. She's got to make breakfast for her daughter. She's got to get her daughter on school on Zoom because everything's remote, all that kind of crap. And it didn't dawn on me like I care about Tina a great deal, but it, but I never reversed the lens. My point in telling you that Keith, is when you have someone that's been on your team for 60, 30, 60, 90 days, you have to think about how comfortable you are in your own skin. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're 30, 60, 90 days into a new job with a new team, with a new Mm -hmm. leader. And you have to give them the honest feedback that they deserve to make sure that it's going to work out long-term. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have to do effective reviews. And then the other thing I was going to say too, you have to tell people up front what they're signing up for, for guys like you and me, 
You know, I mean, understand if you're newer and you're developing your team, what do you want your team to look like? What do you want your culture to look like? What do you want? And then I tell the people that are interviewing with us, it's like, we're weird. We do weird things. We do book reports. We do, you know, I mean, if you're open to it, I want to see your budget. I want to help you save money. I want to help you make more money. I want to do things. You know, we talk about goal planning. If you just want a job, I'm not the right fit. Right. right, so, right. so set those expectations up front in the interview process so you're not, you know, so someone doesn't show up and go 90 days into it, go, wait a second, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, so including, think, uh, including that review part that you just said, right? Like, hey, we're going right. to look at your 30, 60, 90 days to make yeah. sure that we're tracking how we should be. Yeah, and, and I think those reviews are, are super beneficial and it's not, because you know you you do a review and everyone's always worried about okay what am I doing wrong and then when you have the review it's it's really you just praising them for everything they're doing right because it's hard enough taking a new job taking on a new job people are always I mean most I think people are naturally self critical and and when they hear you say man you're doing a great job I, I like the way you talk to people on the phone. I like how you do the things, you know, you help out around the office. And, and it, sometimes it's even recognizing those things that maybe they're just doing just surface level just to expose it. So they see that that is really important. I don't know about, it, about you, but especially with a new employee, I like to meet with them once a week just to have a time before the, just for like 15 minutes so that you can kind of maybe correct things or do you have any advice for weekly meetings on new employees and how that works? Yeah. I mean, Eric and I are daily. So we have a, you know, I, I think for, for training wise, I think the best training on the planet is just watching the other people. Like I, I have, Right now, Paula is on Zoom calls all day with Tina, Michelle, and Holly because those are the roles that she's going to be filling. So they're just talking to her as they're, they're not, you know, I mean, I need them to do their jobs. So, but they're just watching and talking as they're going through their day. But then mm-hmm. once every day, there's a 15 minute slot for Erica and myself to touch base with Paula. And with Paula, for me, it's, hey, Paula, give me a couple of questions that you have. Let me know what you're learning. Let me know how your day is going. How do you, you know, how are you feeling about the team? And I'm just, you know, I'm helping her understand the, the you know, different things that were, that I, I told Erica the other day, I kind of had an epiphany because I jumped on the phone with Paula and I had nothing to say to her outside. I, I literally said to her, Paula, the reason we're talking right now is because I, I just want to touch base with you once a day to make sure that you're doing okay. And now that I think about it, I should be helping you with like the culture side of our team, the goal planning mm-hmm. side of our team. But, and then, the team's teaching her the, the, you know, day-to-day tactics and how to get things done. And I call myself like 15 to 30,000 feet. And then the team members are zero to 15,000 feet. But yeah, I mean, you just touch base once a I, I think for the first 30 days, I think it's once a day just to literally just to say hello and, and make sure that, and hold them accountable, right? Like, at, like I'm going to come to you every day with a couple questions. Yeah. I want you to ask me a couple questions. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we do that in every team meeting. Everyone. Has, I mean, it sounds nuts, but I mean, you got to ask me a question every day. Right. And it yeah. can't be loan. It can't be specific file related. It's just in general started off super weird. And now that we, we kind of we all enjoy it. And I learned from it, too. I love that daily team meetings. So new employees, daily team meetings. Also, and in, in asking them to bring up a problem because, you know, they're going to ha- they should have a problem every day. Something that's not going going right. So. Totally. Uh, anyways, I'm going to, you know, after this call, we'll put together a list of 10, 10 pitfalls or 
10 things any new loan officer would want to know. We'll put it in the show notes uh, so, so everyone can have it. You know, you spoke about your dad earlier, and I know your dad taught you a lot, but I'm curious, what are the one or two lessons that your dad taught you that you want to make sure your two boys learn and pass on to their kids? Hmm, that's a great question. I would say one would be planning, planning ahead. You know, I mean, that's where, uh, that's where Sunday thoughts came from, right? Like my dad literally mm. taught me Sunday thoughts is something that I see. Yeah. You know, I've been sending out, Heath knows about them and sending them out for eight years every Sunday, but literally just be proactive in understanding what your week is going to look like. Like the lesson that I learned from my dad specifically, everything he did, he, he, he planned for. So when you plan, you have less anxiety. You feel more, you feel more dialed in going into something, right. As opposed to either procrastination or winging it. So I would say plan, right? Like literally if you spend 30 minutes, one hour on a Sunday to look at what your week ahead looks like, it will make your week so much more intentional and purposeful and make sure that you're doing everything that you should be doing. That's, I would say that's number one. Number two, I would just say is honor your word. I mean, my dad, he, he, he always, his actions and his words were, you know, I don't mean to keep talking about Rick, but Rick did this exercise on this coach and the coach's call one time where, where he said in your, your intent, like, if you think, if you take your left arm and you put it all the way out to your side, and you say that that's your intention and you take your right arm and you put it all the way out to the side and you say, that is your action. It's kind of like your words and, and what your actions are, right? So what is your intention all the way on the left-hand side? What are your actions all the way on the right-hand side? If your arms are spread out all the way like wings, then your intentions in your actions are just completely off track, right? It means right. you're full of crap. What you preach and what you do, I tell you that I'm a huge family man. I tell you that I love my team. And then on the right-hand side, I'm drinking and I'm a flander, right? Like you're just yeah. getting hammered, doing drugs, whatever, right? So you're just so far apart. So yeah. when, you're, when your hands are connected, so when you bring your hands together out in front of your chest and they're linked, that's when your intentions and your actions are in alignment with one another. And I would say that my dad's intentions and actions were always really, really, really close together. I mean, he's the perfect example for me of, of what I talk about, what, what, what you and I said, which is just, are your, are your actions in alignment with your words? And when, if you, if they are, you'll follow, you know, like anyone will do, will want to, be a part of what you've got, I think. So anyway, mm -hmm. that's, I would say those are probably the, I mean, he's just a respectful, good human. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. awesome. So. Yeah. I think we sometimes judge others by their results and we judge ourselves by our intentions and we forget that everyone's doing the best they can. Speaking of a uh, word, I, I recently, it, I had a, issue where we didn't send out a pre-approval on time and you just things weren't happening on time. And, you know, whenever I look at a team member and I'm, I want to be critical of what they're doing, I, I always pause and think, what am I doing that's either causing this 
or what am I doing that's being the example of it? And I literally, this is two Sundays ago. In fact, I was thinking about you, Hunter, because I was thinking I was about to get those Sunday thoughts. But I, I literally wrote out two pages of how can I be on time to every single meeting and putting together strategies because I found myself every meeting running over. And I think that's like being someone that holds their word is being where you said you're going to be at the time you said and prepared and listening to what's going on. I think in this business, often we just run from meeting to meeting to meeting as do, 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 do. And you forget, man, just being present with another human being and listening to them is just super impactful. And totally. so I, I love that. You know, last the other thing I just got to throw out there, Heath, like for everybody that, that listens to this is if you think of like, if you think of anyone that you respect, admire, really, really like, trust, more than likely, you can rely on those people. Those people show, mm. like, literally, you just think of five people that you, that, that you like and trust and respect and admire. You think of five people that you don't really like, you don't really trust, you don't really respect, and you don't admire. And more than likely, like, when you talk about showing up on time and prepared and that, like those five people that you trust, like, admire, and respect would probably show up on time. And they probably, like, they're reliable. Like, reliable is not a very sexy word, but it's super important. Mm. Yeah, when, and when you don't show up on time, I mean, just say, hey, I apologize. I was not here. I disrespected you. I've got no excuse other than I wasn't here. Will you accept my apology? And everyone wants to accept somebody else's apology. What they don't want yeah. to hear is, oh, traffic, man, it was just awful. Totally. You know, that just sounds like an excuse. So last and they don't weekend, want to hear it, And they don't want to hear it twice. And they don't want to hear it twice. So fix it and get it right, you know? Right, right. So I, I want to thank you, uh, Hunter, because last weekend I called you on Thursday and said, hey, man, I'm going to be in town and and you saved two hours for me. We went to lunch and had a great time. And I appreciate you picking up the tab. I owe you one. Uh, I will uh, soon make that up to you. But you, uh, the impact that that, that 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 meeting had on me was it allowed me to spend, to change my hotel for the event that I was at, which was Amplified. And I, I changed the event and got to spend some time with my good friend, Jane Floyd, and Austin, and also Kelly Zitlow. And I got into a conversation one night about with Kelly Zitlow, who's also a coach with the core. And she talked about losing her mother, who was also her best friend. And it was devastating because it was like one minute she was here. And then several months later, she was gone. And she, I asked her about that time and what was going on and what had an impact. And she said that Rick, she had asked, told Rick said, what, what can I do to help you? And she said, I want to stay at work. I want to stay coaching, but I, I got one request. I want Hunter as my coach. Why do you think she wanted you as your coach? I know what, what she said, but I'm just curious why you think you have that, that kind of impact on people. Well, I'm honored. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate Kelly saying that. I think I take more time to understand there's like a balance between like when you're coaching people there's a balance between pushing people and pulling people right sometimes you need to push people sometimes you need to pull people and sometimes you need I, I just think you need to appreciate 
where people are and what they need. And there's a, there's a very fine line between, you know, like I, I don't want, I don't want Kelly to be, you know, I don't want Kelly sulking. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I want to get Kelly out of the current situation that she's in, which is, you know, and at the same time, respect the fact that she lost her mom. I know that her mm-hmm. mom's an incredibly important thing to her. So, or not incredibly important person to her. And this whole thing happening was, you know, catastrophic for her as the most important person in her life. So, so there's a balance of showing, I, I think bottom line is if people know that you care about them, they will do more with you and for you, and they'll be more willing to help themselves as well. And I think Kelly knows that I care about her. I love her. And we were going to get through it together. And I think she felt probably more comfortable uh, with me doing that versus just someone else just grinding away at her, just saying, you know, the only way you're going to get past your mom's passing is to grind it out every day and just put this on, you know, and put, put your emotional stuff on the shelf where her and I talked Mm. about the whole thing, but still went forward. Nice. Yeah. I think caring is the word. Well, before I get to where people can get in touch with you, if they need to, I just want to acknowledge you, Hunter. I want to uh, acknowledge you for the care you have for people the 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 passion that you show in the game of life and the journey you're leading making an impact and people every day and most of all the courage you show all the time by showing vulnerability because it happens over and over again and I'm always amazed and I think that's one of the special things about Hunter so thanks brother Hunter, I appreciate how, it for sure man tell me how would people if they want to contact you for any reason What's the best way for them to contact you? I'm embarrassed to say this. I'm not much of a. I, I need to. I need to up my social media presence. So I would How say about if this? you got my link. I'll put. I'll put the contact information in the show notes. But go ahead. I cut you off. I apologize. Well, no. I probably just give them my email address for now. I mean, I probably cool. or or my cell phone. I mean, I don't care if people call me or not. My cell my cell phone is nine two five five seven five zero zero eight six. I'm always happy to talk to anybody. So. Uh, before um, I let you go, you got You got to give it to me. You know what it is. Hunter's got this great story about when he was a salesperson at Nextel, and maybe it's just because you and I are around the same age. But I think for any young salesperson out there that are looking for a way to motivate yourself, I think Hunter's got a story that might uh, might help that. Can you share that with us, Hunter? Yeah, of course. I was wondering, like, how do I bring this? How do I, how do I, I, I know you and I always talk about that being your favorite story. I'm like, I don't know how I talk about this at the end of this thing. Um, but honestly, Heath, I think it's super important for people because you got to like, we're all in sales, right? We if sales is rejection, right? It's like baseball. You're going to get, I mean, you are, your batting average. If you're batting 30% in sales, you're a freaking rock star. So my first job out of college, Nextel Communications, as I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm literally selling phones door to door. Um, and I remember anybody that's in the Bay area, Benicia, Benicia industrial park, I would sit there. My dad bought me two suits. He bought me, uh, you know, we, we went to Nordstrom's. He bought me two suits. He bought me a pair of, uh, two pair of Allen Edmonds, one black, one Brown. I wore the soles out walking door to door. But what I would do is I would get in my car and I would blast the song by Chumbawamba. I get knocked down, but I get up again. And I would, I would literally listen to the entire song. And then I would just jump out of my car and I would go door to door. I'm Hunter Markward, Nextel Communications. Would you like to buy a phone today? No, get the F out. 
Boom. Next door, I'm Hunter Markward, Nextel Communications. Would you like to buy a phone today? And and you know, <laughs> the best part for every the, the best part for everybody listening is I went zero percent of quota three months in a row. My fourth month, I was four hundred percent of quota. So it 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 worked. You know, I mean, bottom line is you got to you got to change your you got to change your attitude and you got to change your energy and you got to make things that are hard. You got to make them fun somehow. And that was my way of making that fun. And it worked. So, yeah, that's great advice. Make it fun. Put on your favorite song. Having a bad day. We can't have a bad day today because it's Friday and because we're I got to spend a little time with my good friend, Hunter. Hey, I really appreciate it, Hunter. Thanks for being on being on the show today. And we'll have everything in the show notes that we described on the call. So thank you very much, Hunter. All right, Heath. My pleasure, brother. Take care. Peace. And there you have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the notes at heathbarns.com. And you can find out more about all the ways we can help you at heathbarns.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk next time.